I, I think I sent you the recording last time. I just got a note. Avoid legal snags by telling people they're being recorded. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? It's like The Wire. All right. Hello, and uh, welcome to another episode of How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love Raymond. And everybody loves Raymond podcast, where we recap the show episode by episode. My name is Matt. I'm joined by my co-host, Kevin. What's going on? is and uh we're here in uh, slightly modified circumstances today uh normally we do two rays at a time tonight we're gonna do one ray single ray uh try to keep it a little brief yeah yeah one ray. i mean it's just so much to handle there's a lot in this episode i I think it's it was judicious of us yes and this this one's a doozy so we can, uh, you know, laser our focus a little more precisely. Yeah, I think, if anything, people would complain that in our previous episodes we were, you know, too wide-ranging, that we uh, let Ray uh, out of our focus every once in a while. We, a little inchoate. We, uh, you know, we we were just, we let the Ray beast uh, buck us off the saddle. <laughs> yeah, so tonight we uh, shall do the opposite, and we will tame the wily Ray. Yeah. Uh, so episode five of season one is the episode that we will be discussing for those of you watching along at home. Uh, you know, obviously the timing does not sync because our recaps are always longer than the episodes themselves. But uh, this one's called Look, Don't Touch. And it, uh, well, we'll get right into it. It begins in bed. Ray and Deborah. Yeah, Ray and Deborah are in bed and Deborah wakes Ray up saying she, uh, she thinks she heard something. You know, so, so intruder is the uh, implication. Deborah's afraid something might be going on. Something went bump in the night. Something went bump in the night, per the uh, per the proverb. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yes, it's in the Bible. It is Proverbs uh, sixteen, verse one through three. Yeah, you know, followed by uh, the line that Ray repeats. You know, for the biblical uh, in the crowd, there's pudding everywhere. Yeah, so for all you Bible freaks out there. All you Bible heads. I know there's a lot of Bible heads. But so, so you get the uh, you know the obvious reference of there's pudding everywhere, Proverbs 10:10. 10, 10. There's pudding everywhere. I think I had to um I had to read that one time at church for the petitions. <laughs> You're up at the lectern. <laughs> yeah, so but... there was pudding everywhere. Uh, yeah, anyway, so for classic there was pudding everywhere. Classic uh Matra, matrimonial domestic issue. There, yeah. there, you know, something scary might be downstairs. Go check it out, Ray, says Deborah. Yeah, so Ray is the man. She shames Ray, actually. Um, yes. Calls into question his masculinity. Gender shaming him. Yeah. Which, That's there's not a, lot a of problem. There's a lot of problematic stuff in this episode. It, it only gets worse as it goes on. Yeah, so saying, you know, you're the man. It'll look terrible in the papers if uh, I was killed by the intruder <laughs> while you slept. <laughs> yeah, a bit macabre. Um, but so, yeah, so, so, anyway. Ray Ray accedes to Deborah, and he gets up to check. And then Deborah asks uh, if he can get her a yogurt while he's up. Right, so as long as nothing's you know, worries him downstairs. Yeah, but then then she adds, even if there is, with a little sly smile. What a gag, really. What a gag, and you know, Deborah once again, her manipulations of Raymond's are it's Machiavellian. It's true, and I know we could really 
you know, what are we, two minutes in? We could really hone in on Deborah's, um, you know, approach to the situation, her, her iron fist on the marriage. But I actually <laughs> want to focus instead on um, Ray's flip-flops that he throws on to go downstairs in his own house. Oh, yes, yes. Tell us about the flip-flops. Well, he's wearing those, like, what do they call them, sliders? Like the like the Adidas kind of ones with, like, the, the Velcro strap. And I just felt like that was, you know, you're in your own home. It's not, like, in a shared apartment or, like, um, like a frat house or something where you got to – like, what has he got flip-flops on for? I don't know. I, I know we've, we've seen some of his, like, germaphobic tendencies before. He seems very disgusted by the human body. Yeah, that's the track I'm on here, too. I think that Ray did not want to walk on set without shoes on. So you think Ray Romano, not Ray Barone, demanded the flip-flops be included? Yeah, I think that they were going to shoot the scene, and then Ray was like, do I really have to have my my shoes off? The bare feet? I'm calling Phil. I don't do it unless I get (laughs) flip-flops. And I think that was probably an on-set compromise. All right, give Ray some flip-flops. Do the scene. Yeah, Ray's, Ray's agent. And Listen, I meant, oh, Ray, I meant Ray really wants to do the scene. <laughs> Listen, Ray loves the scene. He thinks it's hysterical. <laughs> but, but I was like, is he wearing them in the bed when the covers are up? I didn't see him put them on. Oh, yeah. They, they just kind of like appeared. Yeah, they they're there just on the his next... feet when he's, when he's in the wide angle shot. Anyway, Ray, this is something I want to watch out for. Yeah, so, so we'll, I'm going to make a little note here for the next episode. What Look out for flip-flops. Right. If I want to know if in the whole first season at any point, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it in that frame for now. Is there any scene or shot of barefoot Ray on the, like, feet on the ground? Yeah, that's, that's something to look out for. Maybe Ray I, has, like, hobbit feet. They're, like, abnormally large and hairy well, you and can self-conscious. flops yeah, the, I, I guess that's unless true. The flip flops are not flip flops, and they're shoes made to look like a bare foot in a flip flop. That his his enormous hobbit feet are actually inside. <laughs> Maybe they they spent the whole production budget on these outrageously elaborate shoes. Well, it would explain like going back to Nemo's four times in the same episode. Yeah, this this, this Nemo's this must be like a staple of the Barone family. To be honest, so, I'm ba- I'm basking in it. I, I cheer every time they cut back to Nemo's. You love it. You love greasy Nemo's. It's something about, like, I did not remember this set as part of the show. And to see it be, play such a starring role already, I'm like, it's a, yeah. it's like a brand new show. Yeah, Nemo's has got, like, two-thirds of the time in this episode. It's true. And I, so, okay, so we cut from, you know, the, this cold open to, um you know, the opening theme. And I there was one change I remarked. Um, in the way this this opening played out, yeah. You notice anything? No, I didn't. Once again, not paying close enough attention to the uh, the opening, you know, soliloquy to the audience. Oh, I was I was just really drunk. All right, so you you'll remember last time, right? I highlighted that when Robert should appear on the conveyor belt, you know, oh. and my brother who lives with my parents, we heard a little like a little yeah. chime, right? So I was waiting for it here so I could note it down and prove it to you. But the sound was replaced with a different sound. Is it possible that you made up the sound in the first place? No, because I went back. And now you're just covering one. your tracks? 
I went back, and I'm not even I'm not joking about this. I went back, I checked it. Three and episodes three and four have a chime. Episode five has a barking seal. <laughs> and my really? brother Robert, who lives with my parents, <laughs> not kidding. There. <laughs> it's very close to Robert's uh, funeral sound that he makes. Possibly a reference. Possibly <laughs> a reference. <laughs> <laughs> not a lot of Robert play this episode, by the way. No, and when he was there, he didn't really hit his marks. You know, I expected more after yeah. you know, Star Turn in the last two episodes. Yeah, this is this is very Deborah and Ray heavy. They they do the heavy lifting this time. Very. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, we shouldn't we shouldn't take any uh of the focus away from the illustrious guest star, but we'll get there anyway. So yeah, um, Nemo's right. We're we we open at Nemo's, and once again, Ray is joined by his apparent best friend, Bernie. Bernie, Bernie, who's like, you know, the outfits on this guy are incredible. How would you describe what he's wearing? <laughs> I don't know. It's 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 a similar type of shirt to what he was wearing in the last episode that we saw him at Nemo's. But he's wearing like some kind of like sweater thing over it this time, right? I know. And I, I just wish I had a name for the sort of patterns that he wears. Yeah, it's it's really tough. It's like. It's almost like they're trying to do what Kramer wears on Seinfeld. Yeah, but I think. What, he, but what Bernie wears, it's it's not like vintage at all. It's just like terrible things he buys oh, on the clearance rack. It's at fresh off the top. rack, Kramer <laughs> stuff. <laughs> but it's like also like it reminds me of like what um like what Eddie Murphy wears in Coming to America. Like it's got all these like sort of like I don't know appropriationish patterns and textile designs and stuff. But it's it's very brilliant costume design because it it matches his personality so well somehow. He's yeah. just this like bacchanalian uh, man just driven by his pleasures and appetites. Yeah, you get the impression that he chooses his outfits based on how the the texture of the garment feels on his skin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and if he got like a good deal at, at like Dick's Sporting Goods or something on a on, yeah. like a terrible golf shirt. Can you believe this all silk golf shirt? Nineteen dollars. <laughs> and Ray's yeah, like, like, you know, yeah, because it's got this design on it, and it's a size quadruple extra large. But and that's that's in keeping with their dynamic too. Ray Ray really does not disguise his contempt for Bernie. No, he hates him. I would say. <laughs> and how how could you not? Well, the the dynamic in this scene in particular, I, I, I do want to you know crunch yeah. into a little bit because there's something. I've, okay, so let me set the scene. Anyway, Ray and Bernie come into Nemo's, and this this bothered me, first of all, that Bernie says, um, you know, we're not going to sit at the counter today like usual, where in the first four episodes of the season, we haven't seen them sit at the counter once. They always sit at a booth. Yeah, they so, always go with their um, significant others. Yeah, this revisionist of approach bothered me of like, oh, we'll pretend that in the last episodes you've seen they've went to the counter, but they didn't. Anyway – they say, you know, Bernie says, not the counter today. Let's go to a booth. And Ray's like, no, I don't want to. And Bernie's like, but you'll see why. And it's because Nemo's has a hot new waitress. Yeah, his niece. Angelina. Nemo's niece. Yes. Who, um, you know, I said waitress and not the more contemporary, politically correct server um, to really emphasize how she is treated throughout this episode. She's she's a piece of meat to be gawked at. Exclusively. There's almost no other dimension to her presence on the show. She's she's the most appetizing item on the menu, you could say. I'm surprised Nemo's. Bernie didn't say that. 
that is. I, I feel like I'm in the writer's room here. This is the kind of spin, uh, spitballing that went on on the set that day. No, this is this is too far above. It's which, probably true. Which is sad. It just shows how low the bar is for everybody loves Raymond. I also did you um is this the first time we were like introduced to Nemo himself? Yeah, I think so. He's kinda like an acerbic uh fat Italian sweaty man. Yeah, and they like really made him like dirty on, on purpose, I found. Like you know, yeah, he runs a gross restaurant. Yeah, he's yeah, he's like really greasy and sweaty and uh, it's very cranky too. He, he complains about George Steinbrenner as soon as right, Ray right. comes in. So um, Angelina, you know the the hot new waitress who happens to be Nemo's niece, is going to wait on Bernie and Ray. And Ray sees right away that this is why Bernie has had them sit at a booth because uh, her service is incomparable. Um, two things here. Number one, Ray's necktie. Did you remark it? I did not remark it. I, I remember it quite vividly. And he's wearing like a denim shirt, right? Yeah, it's some kind of like denim, like thick shirt. Not quite a jacket, but too too heavy to be a shirt. It's it's not a shirt that should have a tie. No, it's the the tie is extremely out of place. But then the tie itself is like like you know Windows ninety five depiction of like golfers. On a fairway, I, I didn't understand what it was. Yeah, I don't know. I, you would think they'd like a little offhand comment explained that like, I don't know, his dad got it as a gift for him or something like that. But it was he's, so yeah, it was so outlandish. He still doesn't look as bad as Bernie. No, but it looked it, it tied them together in a way that I'm like, oh, I thought Ray was above this. That is true. It's it sets them on like an even playing field for just being these like loudish, boorish men. Yeah, so Angelina, you know, she comes over, Bernie is, you know, fawning over her, Ray is very uncomfortable, and, uh, you know, when, when Bernie has to explain what their usual is, this is my other issue with the, the moment, yeah. uh, Bernie, you know, explains their, their usual order is four slices with everything on them. What, what the hell does that mean in a pizza place? Everything yeah, on it. Yeah, because everything could... It's, it, it does. It encompasses everything. The, the possibilities are endless. I mean, are they saying that they had, like, anchovies and olives and pineapple? It's the only way to interpret that, and that's another – it's just, like, nobody orders that. Yeah. Even, like, even like the, the like, quote-unquote everything slice in pizza world is, like – it's, like I, – I think, at least, it's usually called the supreme, and it's usually, like, onions, peppers, olives, and, like, one of the meats – yeah, so you're you're more well versed in pizza than I am. I like pizza, but I rarely go to a pizza place and like order something. Well, we we're like uh, we have a pizza schedule at our in our family. Uh, see, pizza is like I don't know, fifteen times a year tops for me. No way, really? That's it? That's it? Yeah. I would say for me, it's just like instances. So I mean, like let's say you eat three meals a day. 365 yeah. days in a year. You're a little over a thousand meals in a year, right? Yeah. I I would say that 200 of those are pizza for me. That's that seems like a lot to me, but that might be normal just because I'm you know a weirdo with a ridiculous diet that nobody else follows. You do have a weird diet, but we don't have to get into that now. I, I'm you know I like my I have my creature comforts. What can I say? 
Well, uh, you don't have to say anything else. That's kind of what I'm trying to imply here. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, anyway, in the scene, though, I really uh, sympathize with Ray's discomfort at how everything is going. Yeah, it's 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 very uncomfortable the way Bernie is just like he's like this lecherous, disgusting man leering at this this poor girl. Yeah, and it's like and he's trying to he's like trying to bring Ray into it, like you know, conspire with him, like, hey, get in on this lechery with me. Don't you want to ogle her? And yeah. Ray's like, you know, trying to push her off and like you know, push Bernie off and like be I was going to say be natural with her, but he's not trying to do that. He's just pretending he doesn't exist and that she doesn't exist and that nothing exists. And he's failing to respond in any reasonable way to anything. And it's a, it's just such a strange thing. Like if like a friend of mine, like somebody like you say, like took me to a place just to get service from a waitress they found attractive. It's it's a very it's a very odd thing to like go out of your way to foster and make happen and look forward to. Yeah, so I was like, in this, this is another one of those scenes. I think similarly to similar to the scene where they're on the double date at Nemo's with Bernie and Linda, where like Ray is really the one, unfortunately, in the right. Um, you know, when he was like grossed out by Bernie and Linda making out at the table and everything, like Ray um, is the victim here. Ray, <laughs> Ray's instincts are correct on this one. Yes. Yeah, so I, I felt bad. I was like, but I also felt it was like genuinely sympathetic of the like, you know, e- people are doing something sort of like juvenile or lewd or something near you and trying to like bring you in, and you're like trying to communicate to the people outside of that that you're not really part of it, but they keep trying to like pull you into it. Yeah, I I could I could empathize with Ray in this scene for sure. I had a question for you though. Um, yes. So so you know Bernie is going to order a beer. Ray says, you know, it's too early for that. And he's like yeah. I like beer with pizza. And um then he asks Angelina for a recommendation and she says, you know, I drink 8 glasses of water a day. And he switches his order to water. So two things here. Number 1, what server at a restaurant would recommend a cheaper item, a free <laughs> item when he's willing to pay something that will increase the tip? Yeah, I I mean I she's Nemo's niece, uh Nismo, if you will. <laughs> so maybe the idea is that she's so uh inexperienced and naive uh that she, that she would make that suggestion. Uh, that's what it was that it was like she doesn't even know what kind of money she's losing. Yeah, cuz I mean if if she's as hot as Bernie is making her out to be, you know, she probably trades on her looks and so she But I got the impression had... that she didn't know how to. Like she was inexperienced with that. Oh yeah, yeah. I I think you're right. There's like a real innocence there. Like I don't think she's manipulating Ray or Bernie or anything like that. Uh, no, not, not enough. Like get more out of these schlubs. Oh, you you want her to like you want to make them like Johns and take them for all they're worth. Well, I feel like it's either like show a little bit of like not repulsion is a strong word, but just kind of like ugh, you know these pigs, Bernie, or. <laughs> milk them for what they're worth it was just kind of like oh okay you're my you're my customers and i guess you're just you know really eager to have me around like it was just it was too innocent it's weird yeah she's she's not picking up on the um lecherous undertones at all she's just no burning at face value and it's repeated throughout the episode but anyway uh the second question and i think the more important one is um how how familiar are you with regional accents and the word water um I'd, I'd say fairly intermediate. 
knowledge. So who, like who or where in the Northeast are the people who are supposed to say wooder, like like the word wood and then er? I think it's like Philadelphia. That's I what I thought too, and that's what Ray said. Yeah, because you would think he'd say water, right? Because of his, you know, you know, mangled Queens accents that he but has. He, he gave me a, a firm wooder that I, you know, it, like once again, this whole sham. I live in Long Island. I'm like, I don't know, Ray. Something's up. You, th- you think Ray's a fraud? You think he's stealing um, Long Island valor, Italian valor? I do. I do from- think that he's uh, appropriating <laughs> Long Island Italian culture. Ray, Ray's uh, standing on the backs of real Italians in Queens and Long Island who do the work of going to greasy, shitty pizza places like Nemo's. Yeah, so anyway, um, we, cut to the, we cut to the house. It's a good long while till we're back at Ray and Deborah's house, but here we are. And, yeah, after uh, the, um, this is after uh, Bernie forces Ray to get Parmesan on his pizza. Oh, right, how her, could I forget? And for, you know... Her tits are in Ray's face, grinding this Parmesan, and Ray is I mortified. Mean, the crassness really suits the, the like. It's the only suitable description because that's how they play the scene. They're like, check this out, and Ray is very uncomfortable. Which I'm like, okay, I get it. This is an uncomfortable thing. Your friend is making you do this like crass thing, um, and then the the flip in Ray's like attitude toward what had happened when he has to like just be around Deborah is mind boggling. Yeah, this this is really like shoddy, sh- uh, like show planning or writing, I guess. Just his his complete shift in attitude, as you were alluding to. Yeah, so he walks in the house and uh, so the 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 wallet is first, right? Yeah, uh, Deborah gets a phone call like right away as soon as he walks in. Yeah, saying that uh, it's from Angelina. Um, you know, mysterious woman on the other line says Ray left his wallet at Nemo's. And Ray, when asked um, who Angelina is, you know, no intelligible response. And then when asked, um, you know, when when presented with this fact that he left his wallet at Nemo's, he's like, I didn't go to Nemo's. And is, you know, visibly uncomfortable, sweating in his, sweating and shaking in his boots. Yeah, he's, he's, it's really idiotic even for Ray because Deborah is like really reasonable about it. She's, she she just like matter of factly presents the fact that Ray has left his wallet, got Nemo's, and she doesn't. There isn't even like a whiff of her suspicion. No, that there's this no Angelina conflict. Might be, yeah, Ray makes the conflict through. Just his, go get the wallet. Let's get the wallet, Ray. Yeah, but he has to say no. I was never at any any such place as Nemo's, and digs himself a hole where they get into like, um, you know, just a. Real wild conversation um, goes a lot of ways. Um, Ray, you know, has this uncomfortable laugh uh, that I'll splice in. <laughs> it's like I don't even want to summarize this scene. This conversation of like, you know, Deborah's trying to get Ray to admit that the waitress was pretty, uh, yeah. that he was interested, that he was checking her out, uh, and then eventually that he would sleep with her. Yeah, through this like bizarre fictional scenario that Deborah has concocted. That's what it takes. Yeah. That's what it takes. Like, What's like the Ray, scenario, though? The scenario, I believe, is that like Deborah never existed in this fictional universe. Oh, right. Ray, she never existed. And Ray is like a sailor who, yes. uh, who goes from port to port, and he hasn't been with a woman in like seven months. Right. He's been at sea for seven months, and um, 
Well, so then, you know, he, he tries to wiggle out of it, too, which his already. instincts His instincts are correct because he yeah. thinks that Deborah is just giving him, you know, enough rope to hang himself with. So he's and being he's careful. Right. Yeah, and he has a couple clever clever maneuvers to get out. Um, you know, like, oh, she's like, it's a wonderful life situation. I was never here and I never existed. And he's like, well, then it wasn't a wonderful life. <laughs> yeah, you know, he knows... He knows Deborah is planning something. It's just he knows. He's, he's not. He's you know Deborah's playing chess and he's playing checkers. <laughs> that's that's a way to put it. I also yeah. he um he says like you know um you like when he tries to say that even as a sailor he would never so much as look at a woman like Angelina. Um, he says that uh you know my 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 wife is the salt and the sea. And I was I think like they were doing like a Brandy, you're a fine girl storyline here. Oh, you think it's a looking glass reference? There, well, there's another like another uh, echo of it later. Yeah, the looking glass is Brandy, you're a fine girl. That that storyline gets played out. Yeah. Yeah, the, maybe uh, actually. Well, you know, I'm just looking for an opportunity to cut in with some Brandy. There's a big um, I remember there's a big storyline involving Brandy on uh, King of Queens. Which is, is there? yeah, there's um, Spence plays a prank on uh, Doug, where like Doug and Carrie have been going to this karaoke bar, and uh, Doug's like signature song that he sings is "Brandy, You're a Fine Girl," and Spence pretends to be this like secret admirer at the bar, and so Doug, uh, Kevin James. I don't remember Doug, this at all. Yeah, and I was always a King of Queens apologist too. I still am. It's 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 definitely a funnier show than Everybody Loves Raymond's. Well, there's something more like uh, devilish about it. Like Doug and Carrie are like on the same side of the war against society. You know? yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's not like Doug. Doug is like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Because I, I do, I do um, give credence to your theory that Deborah enjoys the inferior position that she has put ray in in the marriage and she derives some sort of sick pleasure from it you don't get the same with doug and carrie no when when doug slacks when doug falls behind you know carrie's more like upset that her partner isn't pulling his weight not that like you know the the boy she's got on a leash isn't like at attention yeah and and carrie is like just as reprehensible as doug is right she's secretive and um exhibits antisocial behavior so at this point if you would like to click the link in our bio you can jump right to our king of queens recap podcast yes called the um the kings of king of queens did you have i thought you might have had one ready for that no i didn't um, <laughs> unfortunately gonna have to leave that one in there then long live the king of queens is that good we'll work on it martin luther king of queens <laughs> What is this? <laughs> anyway, I, um, I do a, I do a a black voice for my review. Oh yeah, that would go over real well. Yeah, I mean I think you know we probably would retain twenty out of our twenty five listeners. I don't know. I think so. We have some real bigots. In our, in our <laughs> we audience. really hit, hit the bigot market hard. It's I mean it's a it's a big market that you want to hit. The um, well back to the the like relationship. With um, you know the comparative relationship to Doug and Carrie, Ray and Deborah, um, you know we we were in the last episodes like really hammering on 
Ray being like having an adolescent sort of like, you know, arrested development mindset, like that something, you know, has frozen him as a 13 year old. Yeah. And like, I actually started to like revise my thinking on that a little bit. Oh. And I was thinking like, well, it seems that way at first, but the longer it goes on, it's like, is it, it, it tends eventually toward like nihilism and morbidity that <laughs> he's just like, like everything is a joke to him in a grand sense. <laughs> Nothing could possibly matter to Ray. <laughs> so you think Ray's like suffered some severe trauma and the way he copes with it is um, basically as Heath Ledger as the Joker. Yeah, I was thinking of the Joker, to be honest. I, in the, in maybe a more implosive than explosive way, but there's something a little jokery about Ray. Oh man, I can see I can see the memes already. Yeah, and it would use the uh, the cap to this scene, which is Ray saying he'd bring out the funky cold Medina and doing a little bit of a hip stance. <laughs> yeah, a bit more physical comedy from Ray in this episode. Not just looks, not just like, you know, mugs for the camera. He's moving his hips. Yeah, it's it's not just like his stupid voice anymore. So just to wrap the scene up, uh, Ray eventually has to admit after, you know, being interrogated for what, you know, an interminable amount of time that he would sleep with Angelina if, A, Deborah did not exist, B, he was a sailor who had been uh, at sea for seven months, and C, he was trapped on shore leave and could not get back on his boat. He would do it. And then that's, you know... up. Uh, he shouldn't have said that because yeah, Deborah slabs, slams that Caesar salad dressing bottle down on the table and walks off. Stomps right up those stairs. So to, to do what I don't know, but she's 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 pissed. Right, and are you supposed to? Like, I guess I guess I'm thinking like they're they're marketing this show probably to married couples watching at prime time, right? Yeah, maybe not exclusively, but like the idea is that like you know the the husband and wife in the traditional nuclear family would be watching primetime network TV together at this point. And like, are the, are they, are they suggesting like, Oh, the wives will feel the way Deborah feels and the husbands will feel the way Raymond feels. That's a really good question because, or is it all for the Raymonds? (laughs) I like that phrase. Um, (laughs) it's a really good question because by any objective analysis, Deborah like forced this out of Ray. Ray yeah. did. Ray did start the problem for himself, though, when he uh, reacted as nonsensically as he did to the initial call from right. Angelina. But he plays. That he was affected by her. Yeah, and he. But he plays it right after that. Once he knows, like Deborah's on his sense. Yeah, he, he behaved. Yeah, he he says the right thing. So Deborah bears some of the blame for, um, you know, working this out of him. Right. So, and I just, I feel like they they miscalculated here. Like, how can anyone say like, "Well, man, I know how Deborah feels." I don't know. Maybe there are maybe there are people who can. There are a lot of very immature people out there, you know. I guess. I mean, it's just it's part of the like the the shadow show of everybody loves Raymond, which is nobody loves Deborah. Not not even Ray. Apparently, he he wants to bang this waitress at Nemo's. Right, among other things. Mimos Pizza, sponsored by. Anyway, we are, uh, before we get right back into the recap, two things, two things. First, uh, the Steely Ray Twitter account. Yes. You, uh, you're aware of this? I, I have seen Steely Ray. 
So you know what I'm talking about. You you mind just letting the the many listeners know uh, what we're referring to? Sure, for the, the folks who don't know. So Steely Dan was a successful recording act in the 1970s. Uh, a lot of hits. You'd, probably, you'd recognize a lot of them. Uh, but anyway, so this guy on Twitter, Steely Ray, handle at Steely Ray, I believe, he's been taking stills of scenes from Everybody Loves Raymond and putting Steely Dan song lyrics overlaid on top of them. Yeah. And um, he's, he's cutting into our action. Well, I do think it was it was provoked, you know, by our, our discussion of um, – the composer of the Ray theme song who who played on some Steely Dan tracks. Yeah, Rick Murata. Right. And so, like, we make that reference. All of a sudden, bam, there's a Steely Ray account that is, uh, I would say, um, producing an overwhelming amount of content. Yeah, he's averaging, like, three new memes an hour. The it's memes crazy. don't stop. Um, we're going to have to get in touch with this guy, and we're going to have to get him on the show. Yeah, I think that's the course of action. If only just to defang him, because I have a feeling that he, you know, is going to puncture our balloon at some point. I think so. We need we need to um we need to nip the burgeoning competition in the bud. There there can't be more than one, you know, internet entity dedicated to ironic commentary of everybody. Yeah, you know, Raymond. this is like when um when like like some major like artistic, you know, like some like a mainstream art business group like the Grammys or something gives an award to like a perceived dangerous artist to like, you know, cut their claws and like make them part of the mainstream. Like yeah. uh, when the Grammys like gave like Eminem best rap album and we're like, yeah, he can't harm us now. He's in, he's with, he's with us. Yeah. We want to, we want to control the opposition. Right. You know? Give him awards. Okay. So this is the official, um, you know, contribution to the art form award goes to Steely Ray for his um, persistent and enduring um, harassment. I don't know a better word for it. It is. I mean, you follow this guy on Twitter, and your your timeline is just flooded, saturated. Oh my God, he never saturated stops. Saturated like a Nemo's pizza with everything on it. <laughs> He's serving up slice after slice of slice. everything, everything pizza. From his greasy fingers on that keyboard. Oh, I thought you were going to greasy fingers smearing shabby clothes, and then we were going to get a, like an Everybody oh, Loves Aqualung meme account out of this. Oh, could you imagine? I can. Tall lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I don't know. We should probably nip this in the bud before yeah, that. Yeah, we, should, we shouldn't encourage imitators. We have one of those, like, what's it, like, uh, sort of like mystical ability to, like, speak things into being. We can co- we have conjuring powers. Yeah, let's see. Let's see if there's a uh, Jethro Tull Raymond fan account uh, within the next day or two after this posts. There's a, I, I could definitely see some good like too old to rock and roll. Uh, oh God. Stills for like Frank and Marie. Before we exceed our our limits here, why don't you why don't you take us back to the episode? Where are we? So yeah, we'll, uh, we return to Nemo's Pizza uh, once again. Uh, of course, with uh, Bacchanalia and Bernie, as it's uh, become his favorite place, right. uh, Ray is uncomfortable once again. Uh, so they sit down at their booth for service from Angelina, and uh, this time Frank, Ray's father, appears. First oh, appearance yeah. for Frank. And he says, I want to see this waitress, which it's – I don't know how he knows about this waitress because it doesn't seem like Ray told uh, him about her. No. So, Unclear, but word is out. Word is out about this hot waitress at 
filthy Nemos. Yeah. And uh, so Frank, she comes up to take Frank's order, and he lets out a patented holy crap. <laughs> he does. Before that, before that, I want to add, though, because an episode of Raymond can't elapse without at least some some kind of gay joke. You know, he greets Ray and Bernie as hello, ladies. I know that's soft. I know that's minor. But I want to record that they will not let one go without a gay joke of some that's kind. That's true. That's true. There is always a gay joke. That's that's a good addition there. Uh, anyway, I'll write that crap. down, too, under uh, Ray flip-flops here to look out for. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do have look for Ray flip flops written down on my sheet. Yeah, I, oh, I imagine that, that you're gonna have like one of those like you know webs of post-its and threads behind you. Oh TV. yeah, yeah. Because I I've been watching The Wire too. I'll connect flip flops to Frank Sabaka, <laughs> no problem. So Frank comes uh, in, holy crap! Let me see the waitress. So, so he's holy crap. He is you know he's smitten right away, and he is. <laughs> He assumes this posture that I guess is his approximation of like a cultured gentleman where he just sticks sticks his pinky up and he, <laughs> he speaks this mock accent well, and I he says like si vous play. Oh yeah, he says si vous play. I forgot too though, he says holy crap when Angelina shows up at the table directly to her face. <laughs> right in her face, yeah. He's making no secret. He's like yeah. the evolved form of Bernie. Yeah, so maybe like Bernie is Frank's true son. You think so? No, it's one of those things like you know the the son I have is not really my son, so I like you know gravitate toward his friends and and acquaintances who are more like me. Oh, you think we're gonna see some scenes of um, you know Frank sharing a cherished hobby with uh, Bernie? And Ray notices and gets jealous, that kind of thing. I wouldn't be surprised if we, like, have one where, like, Ray comes in and Frank and Bernie are sitting in, like, opposite armchairs and they both, like, unbuckle their belts at the same time and, like, belch in harmony or whatever. I could see it. Probably, yeah. Because they're both men of um, very base uh, pleasures. They like food and they like women. Right, but Frank can do a more convincing gentleman, apparently, than Bernie. Yeah, yeah, with his pinky out and speaking his uh, terrible French. Right, but he's come with a warning for Ray. Oh, um... Thunderbolt. Oh, yeah, the Thunderbolt. Right, I have that written down. So, yeah. <laughs> Is that like the Thunderbolt written with no reference? Because it makes hardly any sense. Well, I I think what he's doing is... Do you remember Godfather Part 2 when uh, Michael is in Italy and... um. Yeah. He's with like his two guards or whatever else, and they go to this. They go to like a cafe, and the girl who like I I think he's does she pour her her water for him? I think so. But anyway, uh, one of the Italian guys says, "Oh, he was hit with the thunderbolt." Oh, really? It was a reference. It was an illusion. So I I think it might be. Yeah. Well, they do keep like having Ray. I mean, uh, Frank rather like allude to and imitate like Hollywood classics has become sort of a thing. Especially, like, Italian stuff, because there, there was a Marlon Brando reference last time, too. Yeah, Stella. And, so, man, you're probably right. I didn't get, I didn't catch that one as it went. Um, but he seems to, you know, suggest that Ray, if he continues to go to Nemo's and look at this woman, will, you know, fall madly in love with her and be powerless to stop his, uh, stop himself from leaving his wife and pursuing her. <laughs> yes, his, his libido will uh, force him in with this uh, pizza waitress. Right. Well, I, before we get too far, but Marie has quite a name for her later. 
Oh yeah, yeah. That was. I was surprised they got away with it. Yeah, that's that. That was like some Sopranos level. Uh, but so Frank says, "You're off Nemo's." He forbids his son to go to Nemo's. Yeah, like some mafia boss. Right, right. It was very, it was very like you know we're taking that stop out of your route. You don't pick up there anymore. Yeah, yeah. So so Frank recognizes the uh, the, uh, the 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 siren like quality of this waitress. Right, the inherent risks of being around women. <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> one one more notch in the uh, misogynist belt for everybody loves Raymond here. Yeah, they love to notch a few. Yeah, like the the women are either like consciously manipulative manipulative or they're um unwitting uh seductresses right you have fall into one of two categories until amy breaks the mold but let's not get ahead of ourselves yeah Oof. yeah so um so we, we end with nemo's it's a new scene we're back at the house and it's just deborah and marie comes in unannounced mm. of course yes and um so right away she's she's Insulting Deborah, she's casting aspersions on how Deborah's raising the kids because she has them watching Barney. Uh, she makes a comment that she had to actually be around the kids when Marie was raising them. Right. And um, she says uh, – she asks how things are going with Ray and Deborah. Yeah. And it's it's quickly revealed that it's you know a, a sexual question in nature mm. because mm. Uh, she suggests this hemorrhoid cream to Deborah uh, to put around her eyes to make herself – Appealing right. to Ray. Treat your eyes like hemorrhoids and rejuvenate yourself this way. Yes. So, um, you know, Deborah is taken aback, understandably, uh, by giving hemorrhoid cream, but also, uh, like, like what is what has brought this on from Marie? Like, what right. if, does she know right. something? And it's clear that she does. Uh, Frank apparently has told her about. How attractive this waitress well, is. One one presumes that Frank uh, put on a very similar performance to Raymond when he returned from Nemo's. Oh uh, yes, the, so that the father imitates the son. I have a feeling. Yes, Frank was revealed by his own ineptitude, much like Raymond. And Marie, it's always implied, is like an even more skilled manipulator than Deborah is. So Marie probably has knowledge of the situation that I know. Uh, Far exceeds Deborah's. Marie is trying to give Deborah real usable advice at this point. Yes, it's couched in lots of passive aggression and, and you know, um, as you said, aspersions, which I think is the, the the very precise word for it. But she is referring to an actual problem and <laughs> taking pains to solve it for them. Yeah, it's it's it can almost be cast as a, like an act of generosity on Marie's part, which we're we're not used to as viewers of this show. Yeah. And I so about the relationship between Marie and Deborah, um, I have an observation here. Um, did you notice the similarity in the colors that they were dressed in? Yeah, both um, like black with like a hint of red and gray. black. Yeah, and red and pink. So it's like black and then it's like red pink. And I noticed that Deborah, right, black sweater, pink undershirt, very stark. Like here's where the black ends here's where the pink ends whereas marie you know it's like a multi-layered black garment with like these floral pink designs that are mushed around inside of it and i'm like this is this is some raymond symbology the the stark lines that deborah is able to draw in her own life um marie they're just all tumbling around and mixed together and that's where deborah is headed eventually her blacks and her pinks will be mixed as well so so you think um the implication being that Marie was once like Deborah, 
but she was led down this path where she couldn't keep her priorities separate, that everything became uh, subsumed by her family life with Frank. That's precisely where I'm headed. And just like I want you to watch for Ray's flip-flops, I want you to watch the colors on Deborah's garments become more blended, more mixed, more patterned. <laughs> Deborah's garments. Thank you. You're welcome. Also, Deborah says between Ray and I, which bothered me for the you know supposedly smarter, more educated, and a trained writer in the world of PR. You know, get your grammar right, Deborah. That's true. Yeah, she's using uh, subjective. Anyway, um, so the word you're referring to, um, Marie calls the waitress at Nemo's a putana. Yeah, this pizza parlor putana. I was like, whoa. Great, great alliteration for one thing on the part of Marie. Yeah, but she yeah. says it kind of with like marbles in her mouth, though. It, slip, it gets a little jumbled. Well, she, I think she really steals Italian valor because I think Doris Roberts is Jewish, if I'm not mistaken. Well, that, so is Deborah Italian-American, Patricia Heaton? No, I don't think so. so I, I didn't think the act like Patricia Heaton was, but is Deborah supposed to be, or is she like of a completely different ethnicity? I know, I know her parents come in later in the show, and I think they're like very waspy. I think she's kind of like um, – mm -hmm. yeah, like, like really waspy. So does she like – She's making lasagna. She's always making pasta. Did she like? Was she forced to cook Italian for Ray? Probably. I mean, Ray's Ray is such a baby. He probably doesn't eat anything that um, he didn't eat growing up that his mother cooked or something from Nemo's. Yeah, so yeah she was probably made to adapt. Probably the the simple banal answer, but not what I wanted to hear. Not what <laughs> I wanted for tell, her. Tell me what you wanted. Well, I, what I want to do is uh, get to Nemo's. Any it's, any excuse to get back to Nemo's. Back to you love Nemo's. You're like Bernie. Truly, I do. But um, anyway, just, just a couple quick things before this sequence ends at Ray's yeah, house. Yeah. So um, uh, Robert and Frank show up. Robert's first appearance. Very late entry for him in the mm. sense. Oh right, right. How could I forget? How could you forget? And um, they show up because apparently they they're hungry, is what they say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's it's so it's so stupid. Could you imagine like marching across the street to be like, "I'm hungry. Who will feed me?" <laughs> that's but that's that's what they do. I know, and it's like supposedly like this very you know down home realistic parody of like you know intergenerational blah 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 blah. blah. But like, I still just can't imagine getting out of your seat to go across the street to complain that you know you need num nums. And she, and she was there for like three minutes, Marie. I know. She walked in in the scene. We know exactly how long she's been there. <laughs> but yeah, so they say they're hungry. And uh, there's a lot. Robert's looking at the hemorrhoid cream. And uh, Marie says that's for Deborah. He goes, oh, sorry, Deb. And big, right. like one of the biggest laughs of the episode. Yeah, like almost like they, they just counted at this point. Like Robert gets big laughs. Like it doesn't really matter. What he does or says. Roberts, yeah, they're, they're clearly banking on him being like the breakout star. Oh, so do you want to do you want to mention at this point what we've learned about the um, the laugh track slash studio audience business? Oh yeah, so um, we're at the know, point in the in our podcast where we have a growing list of corrections that need to be made <laughs> in a, each there's episode. A of, there's a bit of business to get through, I guess, but uh, yeah, so um, we we do appreciate our listeners, almost bordering on love, I would say. Uh, but mm -hmm. but some of them, you know, we we have this insufferable pedant who wrote to us and said uh, Ray actually has a 
it's filmed in front of a live studio audience, so right. it's not entirely laugh track. But uh, they do clearly beef it up at certain points. Right. So I did a little digging, you know, and on the Everybody Loves Raymond Reddit, at least, they seem convinced that while it's filmed in front of a laugh studio audience, a lot of the laughter you hear is live. Yes, they do cut laughter from one scene and apply it to another. They beef up the studio laugh track with some canned laughter. They, They manipulate it. But yes, the original debate over whether or not it was filmed in front of a live studio audience, solved. Season one, yes. Yeah, and so I, I would say thank you to this listener for elucidating that for us. But I hope uh, you're happy. Listener. I don't give. I don't want to give him the satisfaction, and no. I don't like. You know, he used. He put a period at the end of it too. Right. I mean, it's just he, not the format. Yeah, but that's like what's you know, whatever. Anyway, I'm okay, not going to. So Robert gonna, gets a huge big laugh, and now we know a little bit more about the laugh. Moving on. Moving on. So, uh, so. The cat's out of the bag. Everybody knows that there's this attractive waitress at Nemo's. And Deborah is becoming much more insecure about it because Marie has brought it up. And so the seed is planted over, like, what is this? what does she look like and how serious is Ray's attraction to her. Right. Uh, so Ray comes back for dinner. And uh, <laughs> they're all, like, weirdly staged. Uh, well, no, no I, I, I want to correct you there. Deborah forces them to go as a family so that she could subject Ray to this, like, Yes. Bizarre torture. It is not just like they're back at Nemo's. Like Deborah is like, we're going to take the whole family and you're going to look at this waitress in front of me and I'm going to be there to watch. You think Deborah is like taking like a certain pleasure in this? Like she's the cuck? <sighs> that to answer your first question, yes. To answer your second question, no. I feel like she is the mommy who caught her bad boy ogling the teacher and, you know, wants the, like, sick pleasure of, like, you know, bringing him to the parent-teacher conference. Okay, so it it still stays in your dynamic of Ray and Deborah's um, relationship of Ray being the inferior in this uh, unequal partnership. Yeah, I mean, it's it's – I think it's it's designed to make Ray squirm, which is not – I don't know. That doesn't that doesn't seem cucky to me. You know, that's not like, you know, you have. I don't, maybe we don't need to describe the. Um, I was gonna say the ins and outs of cucking, but that <laughs> seems to get into a whole other thing. <laughs> listen, all, we have, I, I know we have a lot of um, we have a lot of cucks who listen cucks to this show. So dynamic. Am I gonna write in? Write in cucks. Let us know what you think. Right. Is this, a, is this a variation on on the cuckold dynamic to um, sort of enforce cucking and say, like, you must cuck me now <laughs> we want in Nemo's pizza? Well, well, I guess that kind of defeats the purpose of being the cuck, though, because it exhibits too much control if you're demanding to be cucked. I mean, maybe we're just showing the fact, you know, we're, we're revealing our, you know um, – neophyte status in the in the world of of kink maybe we're just like we you know everybody knows this about cucking and we're we're sounding stupid <laughs> maybe i don't know i'm I'm not versed on cucking i I've, <laughs> everybody I've been, knows cucking i've been called sure. a, i've been called a bull i mean i don't know what that means though i'm gonna pull you back to the episode right <laughs> yeah, pull me back this is this is a podcast about uh everybody loves raymond right so they so, so they so they show up to the yeah, and raise 100 days of Sala Sala. Sala It is. It's 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 an Italian, uh, you know, weird depraved fantasy. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, Ray is marched into Nemo's, 
And Nemo's apparently is like, it's it's like this greasy pizza place, but you see in the background like couples on dates and stuff. Like people yeah. are like having like romantic evenings at Nemo's. Uh, so anyway, they um originally he tries to get another waitress at first. Mm. Uh, uh, I forgot what her name was. I I don't have it written down. Uh, she's she's not easy on the eyes, folks. Just to be just to be nice. I'll I'll let you keep that one. Yeah. We'll so so they do. They sit in uh the booth that Angelina serves in her section, mm. and so Ray is still like cleaving to this narrative that he originally tried to proffer that he uh doesn't really know her, doesn't want anything to do with her. He says, "Oh hi, waitress," when she right. comes uh to take the family's order. She's wearing a name tag. Yeah, I know. It's and it's ridiculous. So he's looking through the menu and he says he's gonna order Italian food. I, I found this funny for some reason. Not in I don't think the intended way, but I just laughed at this whole I will have Italian food thing. <laughs> Maybe that was a joke. Maybe I just liked it earnestly. It wasn't bad. Um, um what is did you know what Deborah ordered for the children? No, so she ordered a whole pizza, she ordered milk for them to drink. Well what's up with ordering milk? In an Italian restaurant, glasses of milk. Do people do that for kids? See, like, it's one of those things. I don't know what you do with kids at restaurants. Yeah, I, I don't know either. I mean, that, that could be standard protocol, but it struck me as strange, too. I just feel like, wouldn't you just default to water? Like, you, oh, they got to have milk. Water, like juice or something. It, it's, it's almost like if you're not going to have an adult drink, just get water. I don't know. It just it bothered me. It was like three glasses of you know, ice cold milk from the Nemo's fridge. I don't know. I don't know. Didn't seem right. No, there's there's a few things that bother me about the, the logistics of Nemo's in this scene. So so they make this huge order and stuff. And so Deborah comments that uh, the waitress is good looking and whatever else. And right. so like 20 seconds after, uh, Ray gets up and she's coming with all the food already. Yeah. The foods, it's, I guess that's like a typical well, I think it was thing. like I think it was like drinks and salads. I do think that they did not bring the pizza itself. Oh, they didn't? No, let me stop you right there. Stop. They did not. This is so this salads, is, this is why, drinks. This is why it's, you need two people. You need a you Bernie and you need a Ray. I was going to say a Bernie and a Linda. <laughs> you're Linda? No, you're Linda. I don't, no, you're, you're, I'm, I, I'm more Bernie. I dress more closely to Bernie anyway. I'm actually I'm wearing one of those shirts right now. Listen, if you wanna if you want Bernie, I'll give you Bernie. Yeah, let but, me be fat, disgusting Bernie. So you know Angelina is struggling with the tray of all the drinks and salads, and uh, Ray is you know frozen in place. Deborah shames him into helping her, which I will say as a person who has like you know served at multiple restaurants, the customers don't help you. That's not how it goes. Yeah, um, you don't let somebody else. Be, first of all, there's all sorts of liabilities. Um, you know, when they put their hands on things and spill things and whatever, and you just, you serve them. And then it's also just like super unprofessional and like you would, your manager would chew you out for it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I I thought Ray's hesitation was uh, justified in this scene and not just for the reason that he wants to avoid as much contact as possible with this waitress. Yes. I realize she's struggling and stuff, but anyway, like, so this is another instance of Ray, um, Ray being vindicated. And so um, he does take the tray and of course he's you know he's one of the patented oafs. He spills it on Deborah. But why does he spill it? But why does he spill it? Uh, fill me in. I I don't have it written down. Ah, uh, he spills it because there is a reference to Parmesan cheese. Yes, 
Oh, we haven't even talked about the right. Well, I, I, we I probably shouldn't have made too much of a deal because we didn't make a deal of it later. But the whole thing is that all the men who you know want their sweet time with Angelina order. They ask for a little extra Parmesan so that she can grate it over their food very close to them. And you know the the back and forth grating motion is um, titillating to these uh, men. So when Deborah or when Angelina suggests that uh, Ray likes Parmesan on the salad. Ray, you know, jerks up, reacts violently, and spills all of the children's milks all over Deborah. All over Deborah, she's covered in milk. Uh, there's probably some rich symbolism there too that I, uh, I don't know. I don't think we have any time to interrogate. Uh, she, she's, she's painted in motherhood, in her, you know, ultimate inferiority to Angelina as a specimen. Yeah, because Angelina, you know, she's younger than Deborah. She's, she's quite buxom. Right, eight and, waters and, a day. And there's a scene, isn't there a scene earlier where uh, Deborah is um, grating cheese for Ray? Yeah, and, and she, it's just not the same. She she does she doesn't compare, you know. No, it's, she doesn't. She doesn't sexy grate the cheese. She just shoves it on his food. Well, yeah, she's been you know battered by motherhood and but, raised so the scene, family. The scene goes out on like a laugh track while Deborah sits in a puddle of milk, right? That's that's it. I believe so. Yeah, that's what I have in my notes here. Anyway, and so uh, wrap it, us it, up here. What do we got? Well, I'll, I'll, so I'll, I'll bring us in. So uh, back at Ray and Deborah's, uh, Ray's in bed. Deborah comes in. It's revealed she took the hemorrhoid cream that uh, Marie gave to her. It's, and it's Deborah's a little affecting. Actually, it was like, oh, Deborah is insecure. Yeah, a little bit, and so. You know, and she she brings up her concerns too. She she says, "Why, like, why do men have these wandering eyes and whatever else?" And Ray replies that it's God's way. I, it's God's way. I got that in the quote. But I was also like, "Is this, like it's weird?" Because this I thought was like one of the instances of like bad writing. Like the writers couldn't put their finger on what the problem actually was. It's almost like this this subject of like you know like how come men can't can't resist looking at a you know gorgeous woman like that really. I don't know. It just like it, it seemed like a weird cap on the episode that didn't fit right. Yeah, because it's all like Deborah's problem seemed to be that Ray was being deceitful. Right, and the lies, guilty yeah. conscious, yeah. And it's more about like Deborah's mad that men are biologically predisposed to looking at other women. Right, and that's just and, that's just what us guys do, you know. Women right, will never he makes understand. His, his line about the eyes and the ears. Yeah. Yeah. God's way is that eyes go in the front because looking is important and ears go on the side because it's not as important. Yeah, that, that's that's more scripture for you Bible freaks out there. I think right. that was – that's somewhere in the Pentateuch. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, speaking of the Pentateuch, did you notice that uh, Ray is wearing a Hofstra t-shirt in the bed? I I did, yeah. I, I, I guess so that's that that's where he went. He went to Hofstra, right? That's that's what we're getting. I just want to, you know, kind of mark that down for future recordings. Though, let's make a note. We so have no idea what teams he follows, but he is apparently a Hofstra alumnus. So underneath Deborah's garments, we'll write Hofstra. <laughs> yes, we got Ray's <laughs> flip flops, Deborah's garments, Hofstra. Hofstra, which you know, big Long Island's staple. Nassau now, County. so here's like the classic turn, and I would say that I was surprised that this did not, this conversation didn't happen at the midway point in the episode. It seemed like a total act two conversation when Ray, you know, flips the, the script and is like, "Well, haven't you ever looked at a guy? Haven't you ever found other men attractive?" Yeah. Deb says, um, "No, women are different." Okay, that 
where did that come from? And then number two, well, actually, yes, your coworker. <laughs> yeah, who she's only seen a picture of in the, um, at, at like the top of his column. Chuck Wilson, yeah, he, she's Chuck. seen like the author photo that accompanies the column in the paper. Yeah, and as I think, is this after Ray's uh, rubber band trick he does with his hair? Oh yeah, I didn't even note that down because it was so absurd. Yeah, a huge laugh though. But it's Ray stepping up the physical comedy. You know, he's, yeah, he's letting yeah. Brad Garrett know that there's this, this uh, you know, there's another game in town. But here. just, but just as we've marked that, you know, they can't escape a gay joke in in 22 minutes. They also like they're like, oh wait, did we forget to do a fat joke? Let's do like seven of them right now. I have fat phobic Ray written down. He hates fat people. He's really. He really goes in on Chuck Wilson. He calls him a big fat pig. Yeah, big fat. I got big fat Wilson. He's a pig, and then she, he says, "Yeah, he looks like that in his, you know, his face, but from the neck down, he's a carnival." <laughs> yeah, he's, and he's like banging, like he's setting his pillow, like banging it, and like yeah. muttering about fat Wilson. What is that? Yeah, he's got a he's got a curly tail, and then Deborah does the deliverance thing. Oh yeah, Suey. Which I guess she said she's implying she would fuck a pig. I guess so. Like in the same way that the like dudes in Deliverance would. <laughs> I guess, I mean bestiality. I guess would be in her wheelhouse for her. You know the perverse pleasure she takes at these um, forbidden yeah, relationships. Like a, a, le- a lesser being having her way with the <laughs> beasts yeah. of the field. So. It's, we're back to Nemo's, and the camera is panning over, and we see Nemo at the counter, and um, goes to walk out, and he says, "I'm locking up." Yeah, and you're kind of like, "What? Are, you know, it's it's held in mystery. What are we gonna see?" This scene, this this is like the ultimate stinger so far. It pans over, and here's Angelina, the waitress, grating cheese for none other than Robert Barone, yeah. <laughs> sitting at Nemo's by himself. Suit. Dressed in a suit with like a four-inch-tall pile of cheese on his plate. There's right, no she's... food on it. I mean, we don't have to food. add anything. Like, there's not even like a, a joke for us to make. It's just this kind of like perverse cap on the episode of you know what Robert would subject a woman to. <laughs> Robert, they are setting up to be a really problematic character. There's a lot going on. There's a lot to disentangle with Roberts. It's, right. it's far beyond my uh, ability. Because in the first four analysis. episodes, he's you know he's like a he's like a simpleton. You know he well first of all I mean they 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 lean into that with like his like sort of comically uh, his his like you know played for laughs mental illnesses. But here like here he's like got some cunning and he's um, I, I don't know it was a, it was a different Robert we saw at the very end here. It was even Robert being able to hatch a plan where he could extract this pleasure from this woman through like a seemingly uh, innocuous means is beyond what he's been portrayed as uh, yeah. up to this point. No, but a, also, new, I was a thinking, new Robert has emerged. A new, <laughs> it's a new Robert. But I was thinking uh, he's, he's a cop. Do you think like he maybe is. he has like his gun pointed at her? Cause we don't see where his hands are. <laughs> Under the table? Because <laughs> that would be like especially sinister. The entire thing happen- has happened at gunpoint. In yeah. Like a, in like a Tarantino way. Like the whole scene plays out and then we rewind and like we see the shot from under the table with the barrel of the gun pointed directly at Angelina. 
<laughs> yeah, and he's making all those, like all those faces, like the one you brought up last episode, with, like his, the pissing in the pool face. <laughs> yeah, his pissing in the pool face. He was making it in this scene. He was. It was like a, a feast of faces from Brad Garrett. Yeah. Oh, so, so, um, one thing real quick. We're gonna have to talk about it. Uh, I think next time, for the interest of time, um, Phil Rosenthal, right? We had our theories about him in, the, in, our, in our premiere episode. Um, we've learned quite a bit more about Phil in the meantime. Like I said, I'm going to save this one, but um, Phil's at it again. Um, he is <laughs> making moves in the uh, world of TV and film. We'll leave it at that unless you wanted to add something real quick. But Oh, no, the only thing I'll add is um... – so a friend of the podcast, Kim Jong Un, he um, he's, he's he's gotten in touch with me. He's doing fine. Been watching Ray, and um, he wanted me to let the audience know that his favorite character is Robert. He likes all the funny faces that he makes. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, you know, so it's you know, it's send, sending love to our friend Kim Jong Un. Well, maybe we'll make a we'll we'll lean a little more heavily on Robert in the next one to make uh. How did yeah, his well, last names work? His last name is Kim, I assume, right? So his name is Jong Un. Jong Un is his first name. Yeah, I call him Jay. We're <laughs> we're pretty we're pretty close. Well, okay, so we'll we'll you know we'll save the the Phil Rosenthal talk for um you know a time when when our our friend Mr. Kim is doing better and uh, these episodes aren't nearly as dear to him. Um. The one thing that I wanted to ask you, now that we've done, this will be our third episode, uh, we tried to be brief since we were only doing half the work as usual, and yet we're at the exact same timestamp we always are. <laughs> um, it's somehow impossible to avoid ending at this exact time. Too dense. Um, Too dense. There's a lot to talk about. But the the thing I really wanted to make sure we did not forget, do you think you have a sense of what it is we're doing at this point? Yeah, I, I don't know, really. Well, I gave it some thought, but I'm interested to hear what you what you think first. I, I've, I'm very resentful of it because I've we poured so much effort into basically what's the sitcom equivalent of like a family circus cartoon, or like the Lockhorns or something mm. like that. There's very little merit to Everybody Loves Raymond. I suppose there is. It's somewhat interesting as a cultural piece, I guess. Especially in light of like it won like Emmy awards in like seven of its nine seasons. It did, yeah. But so, so like, I was thinking that um, the example I want to give you, the analogy is, um, have you seen the movie Hook? Of course. Okay, so in, in Hook, right? Do you remember the the famous like feast scene? Oh, we're imagining the food. Right. We're, it's like we're this, trying to be like Rufio to this our meal audiences. does not exist, and we are pretending to feast on it. <laughs> There's nothing there. Yes, we're our audience is Robin Williams, and we're trying to train them to exactly. We're, it can we're, be great if you just pretend hard enough that everybody loves loves Raymond's head. Uh, youth and and um, you know the magic of youth back to our listeners by saying like, okay, listen, you could be the cynical, moribund mature listener who says everybody loves Raymond, that show does not deserve critical reevaluation, doesn't deserve a recap, doesn't deserve analysis. But let me show you this rainbow colored imaginary food that we are feasting on each week. And I will convince you that it is it's the bread of life itself. Uh, eat of my bread and drink eat of my body and drink my blood. 
That's and, the uh, classic line that Peter Pan ends on. <laughs> no, that's uh, I think Phil Rosenthal wrote that, didn't he? In Phil's Peter Pan. <laughs> Phil Rosenthal's Peter Pan. Peter yeah. Rosenthal. <laughs> you got anything else you want to say? I had to give my little speech, but if you no, want to... I I it's, I like that analogy. I think it's very apropos. Um, I'll just reiterate my best wishes for a uh, friend of the podcast, Kim Jong-un. And I would encourage, once again, the, the bigots and the cucks who listen to this show to write in, give us some feedback. And I look right. forward to interfacing with Steely Ray at some point. Yes, that's uh, we should end by saying next episode, I think we will have our first guest. So if you've made it this far, you will be treated to uh, one and a half times the fun next yeah. time. He'll be answering our Nemo's. And seeing just how hot we are. Right. We're finally going to move from the counter to the booth at the Nemo's of the podcast. Yeah. All right. Well, this was uh, Must Love Raymond, variously known. But uh, otherwise, we'll see you soon. And uh, we got two good ones coming up. They both focus on uh, Frank, uh, if if you do that. Yeah, Frank the writer I saw. I didn't see what episode seven was, though. Right, so Frank thinks he can write in the next one, and then Frank um, becomes basically a bachelor when Marie stops speaking to him and moves into the Barone's house, or the, you know, Ray and Deborah's house. Oh, man. All right. All right. All right.